Welcome to Hive Mind. I am Meg. I'm here with Eli. Eli, hello. Good evening. Welcome to Hive Mind. Um, you okay? Yeah. It's just us this week. Aww. Well, it's been a while. We yeah, have like a, a lot of guests, and we that's keep, fun. We keep inviting too many people into our marriage. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is nice to like bring it down to basics sometimes, you know. Uh, tell me, we what don't you... we don't have to get dressed up. Exactly. Yeah. What have you been watching? I what have I been watching? Lady, lady. <laughs> Finally, the college scam email or college email admissions scam. Yeah. For two years, the Lori Laughlin. Saga. The Aunt Becky from Full House saga. Yeah. For two years, you and I have been complaining that there is no documentary from HBO. Mm -hmm. There is no documentary from Amazon. There mm -hmm. are not competing mm -hmm. documentaries mm -hmm. about this. When that happened, I that Friday, I was like, give me a nine-part series on this now. Yeah. Nothing. Two years of silence. And then last night, I... Has it been two years? Two years. Years. It's been two years. March. I think it's been three years because I think it was March of no, 2018. No, there's no way it's been three years. Maybe 2019. It was March, though, when it happened. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's been a couple of years I at least. I hate COVID. I hate that there's a year okay. of my life that's just like frozen and dissipated. You know, what's, you know what's interesting is lately I've been, you know, getting back out into town. Yeah. I've been going like back to my office. Hooting and hollering. And I'm seeing people that like I used to just see, not even necessarily people that I know, but you know, like small like city, you just like kind of see the same people around yeah. town. And I've been seeing people for the first time in a year. And I'm like, you, you aged a year. Actually, you aged like two years because we all aged yeah, two we're years. We're all looking like, a little worse for the work. It's like weird. It feels like waking up from a coma. It is weird. Right? right? It it's feels yeah, I just I saw somebody um, this morning that I realized I hadn't seen in over a year, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, you don't look how you looked last time." They don't look worse or just that, different. Just, it's your. It's been a year. Yeah, when you come home from your mission, mm -hmm. and like my sister went from like a little tween to she was in high school. Yeah, I was like what? So we're all waking up from a coma. Anyway, this the college admission scam. So I pull up my Netflix last night, and Netflix knows me yeah netflix knows me better than most of my friends know me because whenever something like this happens netflix is like eli you need to watch this yes. and so like popped up and it was like the college admission and so it's a documentary it's two hours long okay it's not long enough how how i mean is it good it's very informative it's mm, a little, is it good okay, i would say it's good okay I would say it's good. It's a little cheesy because what they did is they took all of the because you know how the we got all the information because they wiretapped the big scammers phone for like a year or two. Yeah. And so they had they have just all these recorded conversations. So they recreate the conversations word for word. But they do it with actors. No, I and hate so it they, when they do that. They film it. And I know when it started, I was like, I'm not going to be able to get through this because they don't. But they do it well enough that I wasn't bothered okay, by it. Okay, where is it? Netflix. 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 Okay. And it's called Varsity. It's something based on, it's like a Varsity Blues play on words. I don't okay. Know, just Google it. And, and it's, but it's really, they do a very good job of laying out the information of like, here's how it happened. Here's how these families got involved. Here's what he did for them. Here's what they said in their conversations back and forth to each other. And so 
I feel like I haven't had a very good handle on what exactly happened. I just knew like the fun beats of it. So it's been interesting to understand, oh, this is how this guy went about all of this. And this is how he got access to all these families. And this is how he was working with and bribing the universities and particular people at the universities. And these are the things these parents were saying to him. And this is how much the kids knew. It's really interesting. How much the kids knew is an interesting question. Yeah. And it varies from family to family. There are some families in the documentary that are like, do not, we do not want our child to know this. So how can we do this and make him think he got a 36 on the ACT? (laughs) Because we don't want him to think that we're dishonest people. Yeah. And then some of them, like there's this one where a woman says, um, my daughter that we're doing this for, she's not like my other daughter. She's she's dumb. Uh, or she's she's not like my other daughter. She's not stupid. So <gasps> it's going to be hard to pull this off on her. And like there's stuff like that. It's it's really I mean, these people are disgusting. What's weird is I feel like honestly, a lot of universities, if you just make a big donation, like your kid can go there. You would think, lady. But they talk. Why do you keep calling me lady? Because you are. You are a lady. Okay, um, man. Yeah, you can call me gentleman. <laughs> gentleman. Uh, because the reason why is because, uh, and they talk about this in the documentary, it has gotten to a point where these families will say, well, what if we donate a million dollars to Harvard? Then can you get in? Okay. And the guy says, a million dollars will not cut it anymore. It's going to have to be like a hundred million if you want that to make a difference. Wow. Hundred million. So apparently the price is just like through the roof. Okay, so how much were they paying the guy? Like I understand I need to watch the documentary, but yeah. how does it compare to a hundred million? So then they end up paying the guy like half a million dollars. Oh yeah. And he's like All right. I can donate that to an individual at the university who's like the coach of the rowing team and half a million dollars will make a difference for that person. Yeah. But the university itself, if they like got a check for half a million dollars, they'd be like, great, we'll do a catered lunch sometime. You know, yeah. like they just, don't, which is just, I mean, money is just, it's. And it's, the whole university thing, like when, you know, we can talk, we should just do an episode on it. But like, mm-hmm. should college cost that much money? I, I don't think it should. I don't think you should be in debt for the rest of your life for getting an education. I just really don't think that's great. And hot take, I don't think... Everyone should go to college? I don't know. Well, I don't think everyone should go to college. I think that you should go to college if that's interesting. Yeah, I don't think think there should be a stigma for people who who don't. don't But what I was going to say is I don't think a bachelor's degree from Harvard is that big of a deal. Like, I honestly don't think it really matters that much. I, I feel like 15 or 20 years ago, it mattered a lot Maybe. more. But I feel like tech has done a lot to, I'm going to say a word that makes me want to barf, but like disrupt that. Yeah. And it's become, well, I mean, I'm a white privileged person, so I can claim that it's become more of a meritocracy. But I'm very aware that for some people, it still feels like a very hard system to get on top of. Yeah. But it does feel like... In the last decade or two, even getting your degree has become less relevant mm-hmm. than it used to be. Get get an education. Educate yourself. Find ways to, you know, to enjoy education and find education that is going to be valuable to you in a very specific way. And normalize going to community college. Like, frankly, For people real. get amazing educations locally. And 
I just, I don't know. I'm the the older I may, I'm just turning into this like old cranky man. Where I'm like, why is college so expensive? But it is. But it's crazy. Debilitating. Like yeah. you are mounted. You're told to go get an education, and then you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt. Like mm-hmm. that's not great. Yeah, there's there are other ways. So. Kids, if you're out there listening, you got a bright future ahead of you. Drop and, out of school. <laughs> and don't feel like you have to go to Harvard <laughs> in order to have a future. Megan no. Eli did an old Meg Walter and Eli. You McKenzie. should see the paycheck I get now. <laughs> and we're doing great. <laughs> great. Maybe. We just we got a pile of mints here and we're doing just What else fun. have you been watching? Okay, so then I've watched two stand-up specials that I highly recommend. Oh, okay. One that I really want you to watch, but you're not doing it. I'm sorry. I've got a, such a long list of things I'm supposed to watch right now. So Tignataro did a special a couple of years ago called Happy to Be Here. And it the last 10 minutes of this thing is the hardest I have ever laughed in my life. I thought I was going to end up divorced over this because Skyler was so annoyed with me because he had headphones on and he was trying to study. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil what the last 10 minutes are, but you need to watch it. It is such a delightful show. Tig Notaro, she's such a creative person and her yeah. stand-up is very unique. I will, I'll give one little spoiler. There's this joke, running joke that she does for a bit in the show where she talks about how she and her friend have this thing that they do where they go to parties where they don't really know anybody. Mm-hmm. And then she'll like walk up to a group of people like in the kitchen chatting and she'll lean in and say, hey, just wanted to let you guys know I'm going to go to bed in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll walk away. <laughs> and she does this bit and talks about all the times she's done that at parties. And it was I was on the floor, like tears rolling down my face because she's just so dry. I, yeah. mean, I just want to let you guys know I'm going to go to bed in about 10 minutes. And, uh, and it's so funny. She's just really great. So that's on Netflix. And then also on Netflix, I watched a special. Do you know Hassan Minaj? And I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Uh, is he a Daily Show correspondent? I don't know. I honestly don't know anything about I him. Don't, I don't know. I don't think so. He's So he's a stand-up comedian. He has a special called Homecoming King. And the reason why I watched it, I, I saw it on a list of like, here are the best stand-ups on Netflix. And he was like ranked number two. And it's like an hour and a half. And he talks about being a um, first generation, like his parents immigrated from um, India and growing up in the United States. And so it's it's very like a lot about kind of what it's like growing up as like a brown kid in a white community. And there's some actually like pretty serious elements of it. It's it's pretty funny. It's not the funniest stand up I've ever seen, but the the storytelling aspect of it and um, like the points that he hits on are so incredible. That, yeah. Like when it ended, I was really sad it was over. And it sort of feels like... Um, uh, what's the stand-up comedian woman who did the the Australian? Oh, Hannah Gatsby. Hannah Gatsby. It kind of feels like a Hannah Gatsby show where okay. it's like a little heavier, but like still, you know, fun and, and whatever. Not quite as heavy as some of Hannah Gatsby's stuff, but I would totally recommend it. Homecoming King. I've heard of the stand-up special. Okay. I feel bad I can't place where I know him from. I, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't recognize him and I I don't know what else he's done, so, but... Totally recommend it. Cool. What have you been watching? Well, I've been watching a lot of America's Next Top Model because for the Patreon, we are doing all of the makeover episodes of America's Next Top Model. We Uh just released the second season makeover episode. Okay. This show is reprehensible. Okay. There is an episode every season where they make the women stand on a scale. (gasps) 
And on national TV, they announce these women's weight. Oh, and which is like probably terrible for the women, but way worse for all of like the teenagers. For the that normies are at home, it. yeah. When they're shaming a hundred and thirty-eight pound woman, it's like mm-hmm. anyway. It's it's fun to revisit, but also a little triggering to revisit because I remember watching that as a teen and being like, "This is what I'm supposed to look like," mm-hmm. and. All I have are low-rise jeans and things are tragic. Mm. Um, so that's been kind of a wild trip. And we're still watching Frasier. We're just plugging along with Frasier. What season are you on? Season four. I'm really just waiting for Niles and Daphne to get together. After that, the show plummets and I have no interest in watching. But huh. I'm we're in it now. Huh. You know, we can't quit. There's definitely been a decline in quality since season oh. three. But we're going to keep going, I think. Okay. Because we got to see this through. And yeah, then we've just been trying to catch up on the Oscar nominees, which leads us to why we have gathered here this evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are tackling the next on our Oscar Best Picture nomination list, Sound of Metal. What a delightful find. I just liked this so much more than I was expecting to. Same. Um a real quick plot summary. It's about, Nick has mentioned this, but it's about a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing and has to reckon with what that means for him in his life. I was expecting this movie to be about a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing and adapts to drumming in a heavy metal band. Yeah. And I thought I was going to be listening to a lot of heavy metal and watching a lot of heavy metal performances. And musical performances in movies are just, they're not my jam. Like, okay. I get very bored, you know? Um, like, that thing you do is great because it's, like, only a little bits of the song okay. over it. But when it's, like, yeah. a lot of it, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. And so I was so relieved that we got all of 20 seconds of that. It's like the beginning of the movie is the music. I thought it was going to be like a Beethoven story, too. Yeah. Like, and he figured out how to do his music anyway. And I was like, and I don't care about heavy metal. So, like, this no. is not going to be for Eli. But no, it's it's like he does the heavy metal at the beginning. He loses his hearing. And then it's like, oh, he can't do heavy metal anymore. And now this is about him grappling with and trying to figure out how to navigate this new world. Yeah. And you keep expecting him to do certain things based on who he is. Like, you know, he's a heavy metal drummer. So you're expecting him to react in the worst possible way to a lot of different scenarios. But he doesn't. And he's more mature than you're expecting him to be. And I don't want to give away too much. But the way it handled relationships was really smart and, again, mature. And I felt like the movie took its time in a way that respected the characters mm-hmm. and let them breathe and develop. But I wasn't ever bored. Right. Um, and I just liked it so much more than I thought I would. You said you had a couple complaints. Uh, so I'm it, it, complaints is the wrong word. I'm not sure if these are complaints. Um, I would be very curious to hear what people in the deaf community think about this movie. Because I think they had to do, I think they had to be really careful to thread this needle where his losing his hearing is presented as a personal tragedy for him. Like it is, he, he starts losing his hearing and he is stressed out of his mind about this. He is terrified and he's talking to the doctor and he's like, what can I do? Is there anything I, and he is terrified in a way that I think any of us would be, you know, losing your hearing would be a terrifying thing. Especially if you're a musician. Yeah. 
And so, and I think that they needed to be able to present that story without presenting deafness as a tragedy generally. Because if you talk to people, you know, or like hear from people in the deaf community about what their experience is like, they by and large, a lot of deaf people, people with hearing, you know, issues, they don't see themselves as tragic figures. Yeah. You know, they don't see themselves as disabled. And you'll hear a lot of like, well, the only thing that truly makes us disabled is the way society sort of relegates us to the, you know, edges of what's happening in, in our communities. And so, and I think like, so as I was watching it, I was really, really interested. My my perspective, which is not having, you know, I, I'm not a hearing impaired person. I'm not a deaf person. And I, I'm watching this and I'm like empathizing with this guy because I'm like, oh, that would be really scary to lose your hearing and like lose your livelihood in that way and so forth. And I, and I think that they did an okay job of not presenting deafness as a whole as a tragedy because he goes in into this deaf community and you see these people who are thriving and they're happy. And the, the guy who's essentially trying to like welcome him into this deaf community and mentor him is trying to help this guy, like understand your life isn't over. If you can figure out a way to accept, you know, what's happened to you, there's a whole other life that's waiting for you to happen. Yeah. I think that they did that. Okay. And I'm, but I'm really curious if, if that's true. So I wondered the same thing when I was watching it. I, I, the, they pretty explicitly say the people in this community don't look as this as a weakness um, or a handicap or a disability. It's just uh, who we are mm-hmm. and this is our life and we're happy being this way. Um, to me, it represented, I mean, you could insert his losing his hearing with any sort of disruptive trauma right Mm -hmm. that derails your plans um i i would like to know the history behind this movie i wasn't able to find too much out about the writer or director and whether they have experienced themselves with hearing loss Mm. and i it feels like it was written from a place of experience but i think it's a universal story in that we've all had disruptions that have derailed us in some way and have had to learn a new life on the other side of those disruptions mm-hmm. so that's how, that's what the story felt like to me i would be interested to know how accurate the depiction of cochlear implants mm-hmm. are if there if anyone was going to take issue with anything i think it would be that because the cochlear implant procedure and stigma and the result aren't represented super well in no. this movie. This is definitely not a pro cochlear implant yeah. movie. And I feel like we've all seen those videos on the internet, right? Where someone gets their cochlear implants and yeah. it's like this miracle moment when they can hear again. The whole family's crying. Yeah. And yeah. But I have heard that like the it's a very annoying noise when you have cochlear okay. implants and it does drive you crazy. So I yeah I would love to hear both sides of that. It's su- it's super interesting that you mentioned that. So I watched this with a friend of mine who not to make everything gay, but he is gay and I am gay. Wow. And we, wow. Yeah. Here you are here. with your agenda here. again. I'm here with my ad- no this is not an agenda but um it's interesting that you say that because he and I both have the same impression from the movie that's based on our experience coming out. Okay. Where um, both of us independently like started talking about this and we had both 
independently had the same reaction where in the movie when he becomes deaf and he goes to the doctor and he's like, but what is there something I can do? And the doctor's trying to help him understand like, no, your next step is to like live with this, live with this, you know, and like figure out like here's a community of people who are living with this and they're happy and thriving, whatever else. And he can't let go of this cochlear implant idea. And we felt we both felt like the cochlear implants were presented by the movie the same way we talk about conversion therapy. Yeah. And he goes to this community and he's like, I see you guys, but I'm not really one of you because I can do the cochlear implant thing and I'm still trying to. And they're all like, yeah, 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 come back to us when you give up on the cochlear implants. We've all been there. Like there's sort of that feeling going on. And it was it felt very much like that kind of story. And I wondered, too, if they were being fair to the cochlear implants, because, like, obviously, conversion therapy is just, like, a bad thing that doesn't even work anyway. Cochlear implants, like, some people presumably have a really good experience with it. But does the deaf community sort of see cochlear implants in the same way that, like, I see conversion therapy? So there was a woman on this season of The Bachelor who has – she identifies as deaf, but she can – hear some things and she reads lips and she talked about being in this weird middle ground where she's not part of the hearing community and she's not part of the deaf community and so the deaf i don't know the deaf community it seems like it's a very strong community and i think there are things like getting cochlear implants is denying who you are Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. to compare being deaf with being gay is probably not Offensive a fair to both groups. Compa- yeah. comparison, but yeah. also like it is who you are right. and to try and fix it is to say that who you are is wrong. Right. And to hear her talk about that was kind of eye opening for me. Uh, yeah, I would I would really be interested to understand more of that and dig into that and <laughs> Find out what the debate is about cochlear implants. I, I mean, I guess if you identify with somebody who has a trait that's similar to you and you don't see that as a problematic trait, but they're trying to change it, like on some level that can hurt feeling. I, I have a friend who uh, has the same nose as her mom and she decided she wanted to get a nose job and it hurt her mom's feelings so deeply. Sure. And her mom was just like, what's wrong with our nose? And it's, I think it's human nature to see people and be like, hey, we belong to this group together. Yeah. That we have this common trait. And then to see you try and get out of that group is like, well, what's wrong with me? And right, this right, 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 right. And, you know, obviously there are some things in life that are like, a disease that it's just like we're all trying to get like yes we all share this and we're no one wants together, covid and we're all trying to get yeah. out of the group yeah. and that's fine but like the deaf community is not one of those things it's not a disease it's yeah. so- something that people there's a lot of culture in that and a, something that a lot of people feel really bonded through and so i can see why even if there is a fix whether it's effective or not that that would be hard for people within the community to see others trying to sort of get out of the community to get that fix. Yeah, and going back to the universality of this movie, I think that there are so many things, you know, where you're like, if when I just get this thing, then it's going to be better. When I just get mm. the cochlear implant or when I just make more money or when I just lose 10 pounds or when I just whatever is going to fix my problems, everything will be better. And it ne- like it's never better, you yeah. know, and the movie showed that so well that you can't you can't spend your entire life waiting for this thing because it's not going to be what you expected it to be ever Mm -hmm. for anybody. Mm -hmm. And it's about being where you are now and being who you are now and accepting that and doing your best with that. That's what matters. Right. Um, I thought the performances in this 
were really great. Amazing, yeah. Uh, Riz Ahmed was, I mean, he did the work for this. He learned sign language. He learned how to drum. He wore, in his ears, he wore like white noise mm. devices, so he really couldn't hear. Mm. So he was very committed. Um, Olivia Cook. Yeah, Olivia Cook. From Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Did you see that? Uh-uh. That's a great movie really? from a few years ago. Yeah. And okay. I was like, where is she from? And then Paul, I think it's Ray, Rachi, Reiki, okay. R-A-C-I as the mentor. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I don't, I didn't recognize him from anything. This is I the know? first thing I've seen him in, yeah. but he blew He's me great. away. He's great. He uh, is so good at just making you feel like this guy generally cares about me. Yeah. And wants what's best for me. This, so this movie was apparently a pretty low budgeted film. Mm-hmm. And I read that they did every every scene, they just did two takes and that was it. And they filmed in chronological order. Yeah. Which has got to be so complicated. Wild. Yeah. And so like the fact that the performances look that good with that little finesse is really incredible. I mean, it's a talented group. Yeah. So you want to talk about what it's nominated for? Yes. Okay, so Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal is actor in a leading role. First Muslim to ever be nominated in that category. Who Who's he up against? Do you have the list? Yeah, right here. So Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which... It, he's good. In, I know, but, and it's like, I kind of feel like that's his to lose, which is too probably. bad because there's yeah. some good performances in this yeah. category. Anthony Hopkins and The Father. The Father is going to be available to stream on Friday so we can gonna, do that next week let's do it let's do it next week we're finally gonna watch The Father <laughs> we never thought this day would what come what if we come back next week and we're both like masterpiece this is gonna win it all we've been making fun of it for weeks cause, <laughs> cause it's not a real movie it doesn't movie. exist I'll I'll believe it when I see it honestly okay. yeah. uh, Gary Oldman in Mank he's great in that Steven Yoon in Minari he's great I, that's a good that's a good category, category. yeah I, I'm, I'm impressed uh, okay, so actor in a supporting role, Paul. I just feel. I, how would you say this? R A C I. R A C I Reiki. Reiki. Is that right? I don't know. We'll we'll figure. So it out. he's nominated, and for actor in a supporting role, and he's up against Sasha Baron Cohen in The Trial of the Chicago Seven, mm. Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. It's also a stacked category. Yeah. I'm telling you, this 2020 was a surprisingly out, great year for movies. So, by the way, The Sound of Metal, they made in 2019. I saw that. I was like, was this a COVID thing that it just took? Uh, yeah, I think they just waited and waited to release uh, it, maybe. Okay. I think they filmed it in 2019. It was probably meant to premiere in 2020. Hmm. Maybe it did at Sundance. Oh, I don't it, know. I think it was at Sundance. Okay. Anyway, so good, good, uh, good category again. And then we have film editing. Like, whatever. Oh, by the way, speaking of film editing, yeah, somebody sent me this ten-minute clip today, and it was here's why Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie, was so poorly edited. Oh yeah, like the chair thing at the restaurant. Did you see that? Yeah. So it gave me a perspective. You guys should Google this. It was it was worth the ten minutes. It gave me a perspective on film editing that I was like. I would have never thought of this, but now that they're saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Where they're just like, they break it down. They're like, in this scene, the camera cuts 119 times. And it's crazy that they do that. It doesn't make any sense. And most of the cuts are 
pointless. And then they go through cut by cut and they're like, why is this eyeline looking up that way? No one is that way. Why is he yeah. looking this way? And it, it is really interesting. It made me think about this category that we're always like, what does that mean? That like people who are paying attention to this, it does mean something. No, it's a thankless job. And yeah. it's like bras. Like you should, you only notice the bad ones. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. And like a, a well-edited movie, you're not noticing the editing. Yeah. So these people deserve all the recognition in the world. Yeah. I just don't know their names. Yeah. Okay. So, but it is nominated for best editing. Okay. Best picture. Again, mm-hmm. the nominees are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, The Trial of the Chicago 7. Not a movie on that list I haven't enjoyed. Same. I think I would put this be- just behind Nomadland as my favorite that I've seen so far. I mean, The Trial of the Chicago 7 was good, but I think it's the weakest of this list. The Trial of the Chicago 7 feels like that big grand Hollywood movie that just ends up on the list somehow. It feels like a movie I'm going to watch on TNT on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. For like, a, you know, I'll watch like 30 minutes of it. Yeah. For like, in perpetuity. Yeah. When I'm not mad at it. No. It's just not it's a, a good, best It's picture. a good movie, but yeah. Um, sound. Okay. Yeah. Nick was telling us last week that the things they do with sound in this are cool, and it is mm-hmm. very impressive. It's interesting. They, uh simulate the hearing loss he's experiencing and then they simulate the cochlear implants and they they switch back and forth between his point of view auditory point of view and an outsider's auditory point of view i really really thought they did a good job here yeah so congrats to nicholas becker and co for your work on that okay and finally writing original screenplay and it's up against Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Great, uh, great list again. Uh, the the writing is the the scenes between him and the girlfriend and him and the mentor are real like dialogue heavy scenes that are not cheesy hokey. They're not overly talky, but they're really impactful. Yeah, I love them, and I actually really liked the scenes of him talking with the doctors. Yeah. I, it it is a well written. It's film. very well written. Yeah. Uh, the scenes between him and the girlfriend again, you expect them to go one way, and they go in such a surprisingly unconfrontational a calm, way. It's very calm and adult. Yeah. And I get I respect these people and the decisions they're making. Yeah. Kind of way. It, they don't turn it into a screaming messy relationship. Yeah. It's a relationship of mutual respect and trust, and they're they have to figure out how to like deal with the fact that life has thrown them this huge wrench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really appreciated it. Yeah. I, I just I've never gone into an Academy Awards ceremony before thinking I'm just going to be happy with whatever happens, and that's yeah. how I feel this year. Yeah, I kind of feel that way too. I would just be it's just going to be a pleasant watch. I mm-hmm. mean, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll well, give Green Book another Academy Award. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, there there is a, a possible disaster. Hillbilly Elegy is nominated for one award. <laughs> two. Glenn, two? Wait, is oh, Glenn makeup, Close? Makeup yeah. and Glenn Close. I mean, even then, Glenn I'd Close be like, Glenn, this is not what I wanted for you, but you have done so much good work in your career. Oh Let's, who is she up against? Uh, it's supporting. Yeah, Glenn. Okay. Olivia Coleman and the father, Amanda Seyfried and Mink. Oh, I do want Yu Jung Yoon. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, the grandma and Minari. She's a much better grandma than Glenn Close and Hillbilly. 
I'm sorry, she, but in the War of the Grandmas. She doesn't look like she's wearing a wig. Or like the worst fat suit I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. All right. Well, I give this five stars. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. I Like really, I was watching this. I was in my office watching it and... Steven was in another room and I came out to get a drink of water and I said, this is a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, no, this is a really, really good movie. Yeah. And he seemed to, he's like, yeah, I know. I was like, no, no, but this is a, like, I wasn't able to adequately express my enthusiasm for how much I enjoyed this movie yeah. Yeah. and how much it surprised me, which is what I want from a movie is to is be it, surprised. Is it rated R? It is. Okay. There's quite Some a bit story. of language. Oh, is it? And I just didn't even notice. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Honestly, I feel like adult life is just full of F words. So I don't know. I because I was going to say I would recommend this broadly. But if if language language is a sensitivity, there's also a drawing of a nude woman. So, oh, gosh, did I not? Well, I guess I wouldn't have even noticed that. Yeah, that's not really (laughs) the thing you're looking for in a movie. (laughs) Well, in Titanic, it was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be back next week to talk about the father um, please remember to leave us a good rating and review. We've gotten quite a few reviews recently, and we really appreciate them. They help us to be discovered on all kinds of podcast platforms, and that's big for us. Remember to subscribe to our newsletter, com. Like I mentioned earlier, we are doing America's Next Top Model on the Patreon. You can become a patron at Patreon forward slash HiveMindHQ. I believe. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week.